Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. How many people have been enjoying the Glory of God series? Glory of God, glory of God. Um, by this point, five seri- uh, sermons in, you should be expert worshipers, okay? That's, that's what we kind of expected and hoped that you would grow in your ability to worship. And actually, I'm gonna have you all stand because um, we're gonna test how, how far you've come these five weeks, okay? So if you're still in the beginning stages of uh, being a worshiper, we're gonna call you a rookie, Okay, don't raise your hand, but we're just gonna join with you in some rookie worship moves. So put your hands in your pockets and just imagine some music's happening and make sure you flap to the beat. Follow me, there we go. Jesus, we love you, right? But if you move a little further, you're starting to start carrying the TV, right? Oh, how we love. And if you're like a little further along, you're going to the big screen, okay? So it goes from the elbows to the big screen. Those are rookies, but I think we, five sermons in are a little further to the, what's the intermediate? Intermediate. Let's see the, the holding your fish, right? You realize my fish was this big. Oh, how, this is a, the, the bridge of the song. Oh, my, da, 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 da. I know the words. And then you've, then you get to the holding of the baby. You're holding a baby, right? And then if you're even further in that intermediate stage, you are Mufasa-ing it. Ah, sequenia, Jesus, we love you. Okay, here we go. All right, next. Now, these are the pros, Okay, you, you hit this level about the fourth sermon, um, the dueling light bulbs. I just want a word of caution to those who have a busted wrist like me. You know, be careful. This could, this could injure you, okay? But it's a good move. You're a pro worshiper. And then the goalposts, the goalposts. But don't forget the heartburn. <sighs> Jesus, we love you, okay? Oh, how we love you okay <laughs> um and then the pointer come on this is a three-point move the pointer all right the pointer the hatchet and the schoolroom. okay <laughs> and that's one then you're reaching even farther with one hand do you see how you go higher with that motion okay good and let's not forget i think we are going to be here at the end of this sermon we are gonna reach the expert worshiper. Let me see the village people out there. Let's practice. Yeah, why of the YMCA yelling to God how good he is and then the Rocky. All right, if you're really into it, at the beat of the song, Jesus, we love you. Okay, right? and then touchdown, anybody? Yes, all right. All right, you can have a seat. And Kansas City Chiefs, you can be quiet. <laughs> Just kidding, kind of. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know I'm being funny, but you know what the glory of God is? It's when his presence is made manifest through his people. But how will God, how will the world ever know that he is God and he is good if his people are not worshiping him? And if his people are just sitting silently 
And let's not get it mixed up. This isn't, isn't only about outward expression, although there are some things in worship that will help us bring him glory. God wants you to experience his glory through your worship. When something is made manifest, something is made obvious. Sometimes coming to church isn't making his goodness obvious enough. Sometimes our worship is, if we relegate worship to only the private spaces in our minds, and if we never go out there and say, I'm gonna make a public declaration of my faith, I'm gonna get baptized by the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If I'm not gonna do these things, if I'm not gonna express to him outwardly, then when will the world ever be glorified? Or when will he, they ever experience the glory of God? They aren't going to believe it in us until we actually worship him. It's like what Pastor Sam said earlier. It's not just a response. It is what we were created to do. Did you know that the purpose that you have on your life is to worship him? And you worship him. When you worship him, he is glorified through you. The glory isn't just in you. It goes to him. So Matthew 22, 36, 40, this will be our starting place. I'm gonna jump around through a few scriptures, but this is a scripture that many of us know. Um, the disciples asked him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. This is so fundamental to our worship, understanding worship. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, even our mission for the church here, Project Church, is to love God, make disciples, and uh, plant churches. And the whole idea is that we would love God first and then go out among the people and let him be known. Really, that's the reason why the church exists. Have you ever wondered why the church exists? Have you ever wondered how you're gonna explain to your kids why the church exists? exists? And have you ever wondered even yourself, why does the church exist? Why am I doing this? There comes a point sometimes in our faith where we're like, why am I even here? Why, why? And this scripture is because we are to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. Number one, the church exists so that we can worship him. We were created to worship God. And number two, to equip the saints. Ephesians 4, 12, to equip the saints. Worship God, equip the saints. And then finally, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, if you wanna look up those scriptures, is then to reach the world, right? But can I tell you, sometimes the church does it backwards and we get so obsessed with reaching the world before we think about even worshiping God. We get so obsessed, like, how am I gonna reach the world? How am I gonna be able to show people who God is? How can I communicate well? How can I disciple them? And then we forgot that we need to worship God before we do all the other things outside of these four walls. Sometimes we have to realize that in our private time, we have to worship him before we go out in our day to do our jobs, to go get coffee, to go hang out at school, to go do the things that we want to do. We get it backwards and we start focusing so much on reaching people instead of reaching the person who we are called to minister to. Before you can minister to others, we need to minister to the heart of our creator, God. Unfortunately, again, we've gotten this backwards, but if the church doesn't prioritize worshiping God holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, if we don't focus and prioritize worshiping him fully and holy, we will not equip the saints properly and therefore not reach this world effectively. 
Do you want to reach the world effectively? Do you? Do you want the saints? Do you want the saints to be equipped properly? then we need to worship God wholly and completely. If I don't worship God before I come out on the stage, then I will not be equipping you properly. If the worship team does not worship God before they make music, before man, if they can't make music to him alone and minister to his heart before he start ministering to you, they are not worshiping. We gotta get to the place where we prioritize worshiping God wholly. And let me ask you this question. I've had to ask it to myself in times, especially when I've been going through a hard season. When you come into this room and you don't get the word that you expected, you didn't get the encouragement that you hoped for. It's like, oh, they, they started talking about tithes. I needed a, a talk on how to get through hard times and hard struggles. It, 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 when you come into this room, is it enough if all that you did was give God worship? Is that enough for you? My prayer and my heart, even as we lead this church together, Caleb and I, is that we would be content with giving God worship before the seats are full. I wanna care more about what I'm giving God before what I'm giving and preparing for you. I want you to get to that place where you are preparing your heart before God, before you're preparing yourself for kids, before you're preparing yourself for your family, before you're preparing yourself for your spouse. You're not, not going to reach your family. You're not gonna reach your friends effectively if you are not worshiping God wholly. Is it enough that we come in here on a Sunday morning, not to get, but to give him our worship? He really is worthy of that worship. He's the creator of the universe. He's the one who has given us breath in our lungs. If anything, God be glorified by my worship today. So Ephesians 5, 15 through 19, it says this, and it's very, um, it's wonderful because it's talking about walking in love. And you know, we all wanna walk in love. We all wanna be effective Christians in this world, right? Who are walking in love. The whole world wants people to just love, just love. Well, what does that mean? I, I want us to understand what that looks like for us as the church. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. I want you to stop and think about the, the day that you had, the week that you had, and how you're like, how can I make the best use of my time? How can I go to Safeway and pick up the kids and make it to that meeting all with less, the least amount of driving, with not wasting any moment? How can I make it, you know, think about how we're always so obsessed with making the best use of our time, okay? So it says, look carefully, then how you walk, not as wise, unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will, what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God. What is the scripture telling us here? It says that if you wanna walk a careful life, if you wanna be wise, not unwise, make the best use of time 
by making melodies to the Lord. Did you hear that? By worshiping God, by, by addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. Today we're talking about worship and what the scriptures are saying is that the best use of your time, the wisest thing that you can do, the best non-foolish thing that you can do is to worship God. Okay? You're like, what? But I mean, there's so many things to do. I could, I could build a whole nonprofit, could reach a lot of people. I could, I could, I could be praying for 24 hours nonstop before man. It's worshiping him. Can I tell you that everything that you do is worship to him? Everything you do, it's, we cannot relegate worship to just what happens here on the stage. And I'm getting too far into my message because I'm so excited about it. But let's go back. Think about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Caleb and I talked a lot about the temple, the tabernacle. Do you remember? Right? Okay. If you don't remember, it's okay. Go back to the messages um, on all the stuff, Spotify, um, iTunes, all the things. But 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17, it talks about what the temple looks like today now that Jesus died and rose again. It says this, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If you didn't know, now you know, okay? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are the temple. You are the temple. You are where the spirit of God dwells. He's in us. When you have faith, in him, and you confess with your tongue that he is your Lord and Savior, you become the temple and you are made holy. The temple is the place in the Old Testament where worship took place, right? Worship took place where, where people, uh, they sacrificed animals. The priests went into the Holy of Holies and that's where they burned incense. And then the prayers offered up were incense or the smoke went up in the temple. You know what I'm talking about? And then um, the Holy of Holy place, the Holy of Holies, is where the priests went after all the justification and sanctification process um, happened. And he um, could only be in there once a year to meet with the presence of God. Well, since Jesus died and rose again, we are now the temple and our worship is a spiritual act. Every spiritual, every act we have is an opportunity to be a spiritual act of worship before God. Every thought that we think, every good deed that we do, every decision that we make, it is worship to God. Are you worshiping him in your decision to love your spouse? Are you worshiping him in your decision, um, I would even say to eat healthy? Are you worshiping him in your decision to love the stranger? Are you worshiping him in your calendar? Are you worshiping him with how you're spending your time? This month, Caleb and I, in the month that is so like basketball viewings, all the opportunities, March Madness, right? It's coming up. And my husband decided that he was gonna fast television. I go, wow, that was bold because my man loves to watch him some basketball, but we're fasting on the weekdays, television at night. Sometimes there's these sacrifices that we have to make, but it was worship to God. That decision was worship to him. So you are the temple. The temple is where we worship. We worship him, not just in this place in this space but in our bodies in our lives and you know when the the psalmist when David when he was in trouble when he was um, having a hard time and Saul was chasing after him and he was hiding away he was he would 
start talking about the temple because the temple is where there was worship and that's where the presence resided. People found um, solace in the temple when Jonah was in the belly of a whale, right? He cried, he, he prays this whole prayer when he's talking through what he does at the temple and the sacrifices and the worship that he offered to God because the temple offered him some solace. So now we can understand that the presence of God that lives and dwells in us can bring us peace and bring us solace. We don't have to go to a place like the temple in order to get the peace. We have the peace within us. So you are the temple. But what does worship look like in our temple? today. What does worship look like? Well, that's what we want to end with on this series, because if God is glorified through our worship, then we need to know what it looks like in our temple. What does worship look like? Number one, worship is unto God. You're like, duh. Isn't that what we're doing? Isn't that what we talk about all the time? But listen, sometimes there's moments where we don't realize that we are motivated by the people around us and the acceptance of people around us. So we worship based off of how people are gonna view us. But worship is unto no one else but God. The worship that God is looking for is the worship that is for him and him alone. But did you know that worship to God causes us to think about what God prefers. When, when people are obsessed with celebrities, we're obsessed with, you know, in the, the magazines or in, on the Instagram posts about what their likes and dislikes are. We're obsessed with reading these autobiographies of people because then we start to understand what they, who they are, what they liked, what got them to where they are. Well, when we worship God, the only idol we should ever have, we should be concerned about his preferences. It's unto God. Psalm 141, two says, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. Remember the incense when you offer up prayers, the incense would rise and it, the smell, the aroma would fill the room. And, and he's saying, let my prayer be counted as incense. We want the prayer to, to bless him, the smell of our prayers to bless him. Do you follow that? And then it says, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. This is David. And he's talking about what he does in the temple because he's looking for some solace. He's looking for some, some peace. So he's talking about the lifting of his hands. And this is where the preference thing comes in. The lifting of the hands. There's a word in Hebrew that... that that means the lifting up of my hands, and that is yod. Somebody say yod. Yod is a lifting of my hands. I don't know why God required of, of us, but his preference is that we would lift our hands before him. Do you ever wonder why people, when they're like, whoa, touchdown, or if something good is happening, they just naturally lift their hands and they're, whoa, they do this? I think it's because that's the way God created us when, when, when there's something good that happens, when there's something worthy of being celebrated. And you might be wondering, is this just the thing that people in this church do? They just kind of lift their hands like, Jesus, we love you. It's like, wow, that's interesting. But we do it at concerts. We do it at sports games. There's something that's innate in us that just causes us to lift our hands. And you know what? I think it's because that's God's preference. 
His preference is that we would lift our hands. You know, I think about this time when people are going to the temple and there are people who are lifting their hands. It's after they've slaughtered an animal, after they, they've made a sacrifice, and after they've done all these things. It's, at the, it's an evening sacrifice in this scripture. So at the end of the day, after a long day's work where they had no electricity, they had to cook and they had to do all these things, they had to use their hands. I think the lifting up of their hands at the end of the day is a bit of a sacrifice. So there is a lifting up of our hands. Oh man, I think today our worship looks like sometimes lifting up our hands. I know where I was teasing with this worship thing, but sometimes God's preference, when we recognize what his preference is, we will lift our hands because that's what he asks for. He asks for the yod, for the lifting up of our hands. Here's the thing. If you're in relationship with God, you're going to care about his preferences. If you're in relationship with your spouse, you're going to care about their preferences. You're going to care about how to love them. Dr. Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. If you haven't read it, read it. I advise everyone to read it. It's wonderful. But I've recognized that my husband's, um, his his love languages are uh, physical touch and words of affirmation. That's the way I'm going to love him. If I was just going to do acts of service all day, I don't think that he would feel as loved. My kids, my oldest, one was on the camera earlier today. Where'd he go? Um, <laughs> I'm looking at you because there's a camera person there. Anyways, um, that, the, my oldest, he's a words of affirmation boy. My middle, he's a quality time guy. He needs that quality time. I could tell him how awesome he is, and I do, until he's blue in the face, but he doesn't care until we have an actual conversation and we go out and play chess in Folsom because we're spending time together. You know the big, yeah, chess pieces. You can play outdoor chess there. He loves that. And then my daughter, she's a gifts girl. Again, I could... I could tell her how beautiful she is and she'll receive it all. Let me tell you, that girl will receive it, but she feels especially loved when she gets gifts. It's the way she gives to others and loves others. She gives so many gifts. So I have to, because I love them, care about what they care about. So if you're gonna love God, you're gonna care about what he says about you. You're gonna care about what he says he prefers in worship. He's gonna, you're gonna care that he says, don't forsake the gathering of the saints and get to a place and worship together. You're gonna care that he cares about unity. You're gonna care about the fact that he may not want the lifting of a foot, but he wants the lifting of a hand. Isn't that just so convenient for us? That'd be so awkward if we were worshiping like this. Am I right? I am right. So worship is unto God. What are your preferences, Lord? Is it the yod? Then I'll give you the yod. Worship, number two, is by the priestly you. Somebody say priest. Priest. First Peter 2.5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In other words, you are a priest. Moms and dads, you are the priests of your home. You are the priests in your workplace. You're the priests at your school. And you're like, okay, well, what does that make me? So I have to be perfect. No, can I tell you that priesthood, being a priest, isn't about being perfect. And it's not about performing like you are a priest. It's like being pure of heart. Are you pure of heart? It's something that happens from the inside out. What is happening in your heart? That is what priesthood is. In the Old Testament, what did they do? There were priests who could come into the Holy of Holies, but thank God that Jesus died and rose again. He tore the veil and there's nothing separating us from the presence of God. In fact, the presence of God lives inside of us. So you are a priest. You are able to be in the presence of God. 
You don't need a priest. You don't need um, somebody holier than you in order to access the presence of God. We have access to him right now. We are sitting right now in a room full of worshipers and therefore we are in the presence of God. What an amazing miracle that has taken place because of Jesus, because of his purity of heart. His purity of heart to go to the cross and die for us so that we can be pure. We're never gonna be pure without the saving knowledge and understanding and confession of his goodness and the confession of his perfection. We will never be holy without him. Be holy as God is holy. Be a priest. Don't perform your way. Don't think that it's just gonna be like, if I come to church, then I'm more holy. If I read my Bible, I'll, if I, I don't skip a day on my version app, that doesn't make you more holy. What makes you holy is your desire to know the word, to know his preferences and to love him. Purity happens no matter if things are going well or things are going bad. Purity happens when, when you can worship him no matter what. Their heart says, I'm going to worship him whether I'm going to get something from this or not. If you want to be a worshiper, if you want to worship God holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, you must be holy. And that re requires not performance, not perfection, just a pure heart. I think about... Uh, the Super Bowl and how uh, Mahomes and Purdy, they both are uh, believers and they both give God glory. And they give God glory for the platform they have, for the opportunity they have to be football players and to have a stage like this to confess Jesus and tell people that all glory is for him. You know, I want God to be glorified in everything that I do as a mom, as a dad, or I'm not a dad, wow, as a mom. <laughs> As a parent, there we go. That's what I meant. As a daughter, as a friend, as a as a, as a preacher, as a as a pastor, right? And and that's what what these men are trying to do. But I got to give props to Purdy because he was giving God glory even in the loss. I'm not saying that he's there better than the Chiefs, but dang it, we should have won that. Anyway, I'm really, I don't really care as much. I'm a bandwagon fan to whatever team my husband watches, but it was a bummer. But can we be the people pure of heart that we worship God, no matter if we have wins or losses, good or bad, in the high times, in the low times, are we giving him glory in the successes and the failures? That is what a priestly you does. Your worship must be in the good times and the bad times, and we confess the song that we sang, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been good to me. Worship is by the priestly you. And finally, worship is through you. Oh, it's so simple, guys. Worship is through you. Through you. He wants to be glorified through you. Yes, the presence of God. He is omnipresence, but he is not glorified everywhere. Do you hear me? He's, his presence is everywhere, but he's not always glorified everywhere. And he needs the body to glorify him. And that happens through obedience. That happens through priestly worship. That happens by worshiping unto God, no one else. I believe that the people who are getting baptized on the 25th, I think is the day, they are publicly confessing Jesus as their Lord and Savior because they don't care what other people think. 
They're going to serve him. They're going to bless him. They're going to say, you are the Lord of my life. You are the king of my heart. Worship is through you. Here's what David says. Psalms 57, seven and eight. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Again, this is him worshiping. Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. So what is he saying here? He's saying, awake my glory. And you're like, what, my glory? I thought the glory is all God's, you know, we get religious. No, there's glory that is in every single one of you. Every single one of you are created by God. You have the fingerprint of him on your life. You are the Imago Dei. You are the image of Christ. You are image bearers. That's why we're brothers and sisters because we look alike because we are, we are God's people. So, so the Imago Dei is on us, right? And the, if he created us, then he put in us glory. Glory, glory that, um, that is specific and unique to you. You have the relationship that you have because what is in you attracted that person to you. You have the children that you have because what is in you, they, they look like you. <laughs> there's something in you that you gave to them, right? There, you have those children because there's something unique, right? Those relationships are unique to you. You have the job that you have because you have a unique purpose. You have a unique gift and it's meant to give God glory but there's moments where we don't feel like worshiping him there's moments where we don't we don't understand that we're supposed to be giving God glory in the moment and David was there and he's like oh awaken me my glory so that it can be given to you and you can be glorified do you hear me but sometimes we have to be awakened to what God's doing in our lives. The, the best way I can explain it is I was at a party. It was a decades party for one of our production directors. It was fire, the party. And everybody was dressed in decades. If there was a prize for the best costumes, I think Caleb and I would want. But it's okay, I'll show you that picture later. It was like we were in our 70s gear and we looked like the Jesus Revolution. So extra points for being in line with what you do, okay? Um, but... There was a moment where our song came, man. It was my song. And when I, my song came on, I had to be on the dance floor. It was kind of like how my Latina friends, Jen, Nicole, and Rainy, when they heard Selena, it was their song. And they're like, we're getting on that dance floor. If they didn't make it to the dance floor, they were like, they were salsaing in their seats while they were eating salsa and chips, right? It was, I'm not even kidding. This, do you know, come on people, you know, like when your song comes on, you're like, let's go. It's kind of like Caleb and I, when we're doing karaoke and a whole new world comes on, we have to sing it, right? There's just something in us that we gotta do it. That's the glory of God. Something that's unique to you. And it's something specific to you. There's the weight of His glory that you can't sit still. You have to do it. I want you to think about your lives. I want you to think about the things that you go after. I want you to think about how you were created. There's glory that's in you that must be awakened so He can be glorified. So what is your song? What is the thing that's unique to you? Sometimes the weight of it comes on us and it's like, oh, I gotta do something, I gotta respond somehow. And that's when the glory, when we realize who God created us to be, we realize what He created us to be and do. And it's like, oh, I gotta just worship Him. I gotta give Him thanks. 
I gotta give somebody else the glory, but here's what happens. When we start stealing the glory and we start taking the glory for ourselves, when we think about how stressful our job actually is, even though it's been a blessing from God, when we think about how stressful our kids are, even when we have to provide for them, we have to do all these things for them, you know, God, it was a blessing from God. When we think about the marriage that we have and it's like, they're so frustrating. But listen, God, gave you that marriage and then you gotta stir up and allow the glory to wake up inside of you because you were called to love that person. But when we don't give God glory, the weight of what God has given to us comes down on us. And if we don't release the glory back to Him, it crushes us. And then our job just takes so much out of us. Our families take so much out of us. Our spouses take up so much from us. Our jobs, our church, some people get so burned out because they're not giving God glory for it. They're just saying, oh, I did it. I'm here every Sunday, 6 a.m. Listen, you weren't meant to bear the weight of the glory that's in you. You're meant to give Him glory. And what does that look like? It looks like worshiping Him. It looks like giving Him praise. No matter if things are easy or things are hard, if things are high or things are low, if you're on the valley or the mountaintop, you, got, you give Him your worship. You give Him your worship. You know, the word for awake my glory is kabod. And it's when His glory aligns with your desire to give Him glory. How do I worship God holy? It's when you yod and the kabod, when you give Him praise, when you lift your hands and you allow Him to be glorified, the kabod, when you allow that to be awoken in you, awakened in you, that kabod, yod, kabod, and you give it to God. James 4, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Draw near to Him, be in His presence, glorify Him, give Him your worship, give Him your praise, give Him your affection, give Him your adoration, give it all to Him and He will be glorified. And when He draws near, respond and worship. Do what God created you to do and who He created you to be. Then you'll stop complaining about the blessings in your life, then you'll stop boasting about the things that you think that you did in your life because the glow, no, no, no. There's no room for boasting and a worshipful servant of God because you're giving glory to the only one who is due that glory. So how are we gonna respond? How are we gonna worship? I think about Mary in John 12, 12, 12 23. I don't know if you remember this story, but all the people were gathering into the house and Mary amongst all the religious people poured out oil on Jesus's feet. It says in verse 23, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment. It wasn't just like pricey. It was like her year's worth wages. She poured it all on his feet. She poured everything. She didn't care what the religious people thought. She didn't care but what anybody thought. She just poured her worship out. She, it, what does that look like for us? It says we, we get baptized. We make a public display of our affection for Jesus. We lift our hands. We sing. We show up at church. We do things no matter what anybody thinks. That's what our worship looks like, but that's what Mary did. So she poured out expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. 
the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. When the house is filled with perfume, that scent, that is what, okay, listen, in the Old Testament or in the, in the Bible before di Jesus died and rose again, the worship that we see here is pouring everything out and the smell filled the room. The worship for us now, what does that look like? Is when our eyes see hands lifted high. We fill the space, we fill the room with hands that are yawed, lifting up because God prefers that we would lift up our hands. And it sounds like our voice is being raised to Him, no matter if we can sing on key or not. Whether we know the song or not, maybe we just say, Jesus, Jesus, we love you. This is your preference. I'm gonna give it to you. No matter what anybody thinks, no matter what, if even if I feel shame, because I know what I did last week. I know how I treated my family. I know how I treated my spouse. I know what I did wrong to that friend, whatever. Can I still do this? Yes, you can, because it's his preference. It's worship that he's after, not your perfection. Do you hear me? So before we move forward, I wanna give us an opportunity to worship, but I think there are people in this room who you wanna be in relationship with Jesus, maybe for the first time, or you wanna rededicate your life to him, because if you rededicate your life to him, then you are in relationship again. You're, you're concerned about his preferences. You're concerned about him being the leader of your life, the savior of your soul. If that's you in this place, would you lift your hands? You don't have, we don't have to close our eyes today, but if, these, if there's anybody, I see your hands, I see your hands, I see your hands, anybody else, I see your hands. Because we don't care what anybody thinks. We just want to give our lives to him. You are Yod. Oh God, we give you our Yod. Yeah. We're going to give you an opportunity to be prayed over. Actually, let's do it right now. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads, and repeat after me, everybody who lifted their hands and join me, everybody in the room. Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me here today. I accept you. Thank you that I don't have to be perfect. I believe that you died for me so my sins could be washed away. I don't have shame. I don't need to walk in guilt. I can walk in freedom. I confess my need of you to be the leader of my life, the king of my heart. I love you, Jesus. Give me the strength to live for you and bring you glory. Amen. Amen. Can we stand before we leave? I just want us to respond to Jesus right now. And you know, let me tell you, worship isn't just because the cool music is happening and we don't have a fog machine anymore. <laughs> Thank God. But I, he is blessed. The fragrance of the perfume like Mary poured out on Jesus's feet is like the worship of our voices and the lifting of our hands. So can we just pour out our affection on Jesus?
Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.